0: This thing on because it's getting ready to be on. Hello and welcome to Bellringer. My name is Greg. Your guest name today is Holly Buck, a professor at the University of Buffalo and an expert in both societal movement and climate change. In this conversation, we discuss the intersection of both of those things a potential climate migration within the United States potentially benefiting Buffalo. An article following a Harvard study said that, quote, with climate change, the world will suck, but Buffalo may suck less, end quote. We discuss why, including abundant fresh water, easier temperatures, safety from natural disasters, the clean energy transfer, and a whole lot more. Holly herself relocated here in part because of climate change that she was experiencing in Los Angeles and decided to move to Buffalo. It's a great conversation And a topic I'm super interested in. Hope you are too. Thanks for listening.
1: So I have a PhD in the sociology of development, which is a wonky way of saying I think about um, how societies change over time and you know how we can achieve our goals. But mostly I focus on climate change and the energy transition. And here I am at UB. I'm an assistant professor of environment and sustainability.
0: So I want to kind of start level set our conversation for a long time and maybe still some some folks have imagined climate change as a very very distant problem something for you know great 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 grandchildren to deal with and I think we know now that's not the case so um you know from your point of view kind of level set the conversation for us where are we where are we headed how soon Um, so folks can kind of get in the right mindset as we dive into this.
1: Yeah, well, we just had the strongest scientific warning yet from the intergovernmental panel on climate change, which is a body of scientists from all around the world. Um, they write these very long reports, you know, 3000 plus pages every five, six years or so. And the latest one has just been released or the first part of it. And it says that, you know, it's unequivocal that humans have caused global warming. Right now, we're at just over one degree Celsius of warming um, from measuring from, you know, before the industrial revolution, the world has warmed 1.1 degrees Celsius. And we're already seeing impacts from that um, in the forms of increased likelihoods of extreme weather events, like storms, like more heat waves. And eventually we'll see more and more impacts that are longer term, like sea level rise.
0: Right. And as we talk about, we're going to dive into potential migration patterns as a cause of climate change from an immediate livability lens. To you, what's the first hindrance? Like, it, is it heat? Is it rising sea levels? Is it that kind of extreme weather? What's maybe the first thing on the horizon that, you know, will really feel the impacts of?
1: I mean, a lot of people, obviously, in, in California and other places in the West are facing um, tremendous wildfires, unprecedented. I mean, obviously, <laughs> there's a precedent for fire in the West, but the sorts of fires we're seeing now are quite different. Um, I think that the mega drought in the southwest is another really concerning thing that's happening. Um, So those are kind of the first things I think about right now. I mean, in terms of other things, it might just be, you know, something that's used to be considered a once in a hundred year flood or a once in a 50 year flood might be happening, you know, once in 10 years, those sorts of things that are harder to see the pattern if you're just you know a person living your life compared to seeing smoke in the air and having to breathe it every single fire season
0: so now to kind of narrow in on on buffalo and get more specific about the conversation that we'll have um, there was a study in a, a bunch of articles one saying quote with climate change the world is going to suck but buffalo may suck less end quote um and, you know, a couple of studies, that's kind of a tongue in cheek headline about it. But what does um, a place like Buffalo possess that might make that true?
1: Well, Buffalo, I mean, obviously people point to the, the Great Lakes as a source of fresh water, which I think is important. I think also we should recognize that the Great Lakes also have a lot of threats. Climate change will increase some um, harmful Algal blooms is my understanding. Uh, I could talk to some of the ecologists down the hall about that, but um, you know, invasive species. So it's not like there's no problem there, but in, there is. You know, water resources. There are the temperatures are more livable. So kind of under a middle of the road um, climate scenario, the climate of Buffalo might look something like what Louisville, Kentucky is like today which is still, you know, warmer, but, um, not unlivable. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. So they say that the zones of most suitable temperatures for human survival or, or life, you know, used to be along the, you know, sunbelt of the country and out west. And as climate change sets in further, those zones will move further further north soon including buffalo Um, but then you look at the migration trends within the united states and it's people kind of moving south to a lot of those texas cities you know houston austin nashville and tennessee Um, at what point do you think those two kind of contradicting truths meet each other
1: you know that's a hard question and i don't have a a crystal ball but i would say possibly in the next 10 to 20 years, that migration pattern will look pretty different. Um, that's, my, like, like, that's my personal feeling. It's not grounded in like some study I've read because this is actually a challenging thing to forecast since um, you know, a lot of people when they decide where to move, we talk about kind of a push factor and a pull factor. So they might be moving away from something, they're probably also moving towards something. And so people might tend to move to a place where they know other people, for example. Um, It's not like climate will be the only thing in people's calculus. So we have to also think about what's going on with the economy, what's going on with urban development. That's why it's kind of a a challenge to predict these kinds of things.
0: Right. Well, on the economy, um, I've read some things that say Kind of like agriculture and farming is one of those first kind of economic outside of maybe impacts from a disaster but is one of those first economic dominoes to fall where maybe across the south farming just will be untenable and it might make regions like buffalo actually better for agriculture you know we have a strong agricultural base right now especially within like dairy processing um Do you think kind of those economic pressures maybe push people more just from a lack of choice at a certain point?
1: I wonder what will happen with agriculture because it doesn't employ a whole lot of people in this country anyway. Um, Very small percentage of people are employed in agriculture, but there are a lot of people who work in service industries around agricultural production, you know, fixing farm equipment or what have you um and i i do think that you know a lot of places that have production like arizona you know a lot of the water from the colorado river is being used for agriculture and i i don't see how that is going to be tenable in the future parts of california as well possibly and also thinking about the depletion of the Ogallala, and you know places that are doing um farming in like the western parts of Kansas, some parts of Nebraska. So that that I imagine will change and there will be a migration of people from those sorts of communities if they don't have agriculture as a base. But then there's a question of what other basis could those communities have? You know, especially with remote work, I think this is changing things in a lot of these small towns that used to be based in agriculture. Now people can be living there working for a company somewhere else
0: um and then there's kind of the energy is kind of a large part of the emissions puzzle as i understand it uh buffalo and thanks to niagara falls is a large hydropower hub what is the future of hydropower or how does that play into the equation i think you know a clean reliable power for a lot of these manufacturing companies and you talk about, you know, other facets of the economy beyond just agriculture. What does that mean for, you know, Buffalo's future and desirability for both people and companies to move here?
1: Yeah, I think this is where Buffalo really shines. Like, I think it's, I mean, the climate is one part of it, but I think even more than that are the opportunities and the energy transition. So hydropower is one part of it. And I think that companies are increasingly pressured to do carbon accounting, to have these, you know, so-called ESG, you know, environmental, social governance type of goals. Um, And so if they want to power their operations with clean power, if they have like a data center, for example, and they want it to be run by hydropower, and they want it to be as environmentally friendly as they can, I mean, this is a great place for that. Then you also think about, solar and wind. I know that they're sometimes contentious around this area, depending on where they're placed and so forth. But, um, you know, to meet New York and increasingly the world's climate goals, we're going to just need to build a lot more of that. Um, And I think it can work for our economy. And then there's also things like um, electric vehicles, uh, battery storage for all this renewable energy energy that, that needs to be stored, as well as hydrogen, um, which can also be a form of storage for energy as well as a fuel. And so if you can produce hydrogen with electricity, then it can be green hydrogen. This could be a place for that. I think there's at least one company, um, Plug Power, that's you know planning to operate in this area. So
0: Great. I
1: think the future is bright in that way.
0: And you talked about those extreme weather events. Um, at the top of the conversation, Buffalo currently, you know, has a very low risk of natural disasters. And that's something that companies, um, especially, and obviously individuals, you know, desire companies from, you know, you mentioned data centers, uh, a hurricane or an earthquake can be, you know, an expensive mistake, even if there's not like a human or medical cost. So while we have this low risk of natural disasters. And it sounds like those might become more common throughout the country and world. Is that another area where, you know, Buffalo may shine or have an advantage over, you know, a coastal city or a place where, you know, tornadoes or earthquakes are more popular out in the West, maybe?
1: I think so. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. I don't know how high that figures on a company's list of things that they consider when they're citing, but I would bet that it will move higher up that list as time goes on.
0: Right. And one of the articles about Buffalo mentioned, I think it was someone that had moved to Buffalo from Puerto Rico after a hurricane. So there is kind of that personal, you know, unfortunately displacement as well, but also personal impact, not just on the company side. Do you think that would have any effect as these become maybe more common in other cities?
1: I mean, that that would be a great study, right? Because some people, if they are displaced because an extreme event, they might move somewhere for a short time and then they might relocate to where they were before. And so there's kind of a question like now we're starting to see places hit by repeat disasters. At what point does that person decide to Relocate permanently? Or do what point do businesses decide to relocate permanently? When do these properties become uninsurable? These sorts of questions. I think we're just kind of in the beginning years of understanding that.
0: So, you, as I understand it, moved to Buffalo yourself, right?
1: I did. I moved here from Los Angeles.
0: So, um, you know, putting aside the conversation on climate, how has, you know, your experience within the community, Ben, and, uh, you know, your perspective as someone that's lived elsewhere, obviously, is interesting for this conversation.
1: I mean, having moved here during a pandemic has been kind of weird, but I, I can say that, you know, the the climate was a pretty big factor for me personally. I mean, given that I think about climate change all day long, that may not be surprising, but um, you know, we would have lots of days where the school would be closed because the the smoke was too bad. And it's a relief not to, like of all the things to worry about in life, at least I can scratch that one off my list for now.
0: And then how have, you know, despite the pandemic, how has just kind of, you know, getting ingrained within the community, obviously UB is a large community itself, but then, you know, Western New York, otherwise, how have you found your experience or you know things you've enjoyed doing, anything like that.
1: It's been it's been great. I mean, I've enjoyed really the simple things, like the blueberry treehouse farm near where I live. You know, good blueberries, good music, nice people, great pizza. I mean, all the good stuff is right here.
0: So you wrote a book after geoengineering climate tragedy repair and restoration. Tell us a bit about that.
1: Yeah. So that book is meant to be an introduction to some of the technologies that scientists are studying that could make, I mean, in some cases, mild, in some cases, extreme interventions into the climate on purpose. So one part of the book focuses on technologies that would remove carbon from the atmosphere and Either store that carbon in ecosystems, in forests and soils, or store it in rocks underground. And that's all technology that we know how to do, but we're not really doing it at a big scale yet. And the book also discusses something called solar geoengineering, which is reflecting some amount of incoming sunlight back into space to cool the planet which is a much more extreme approach to <laughs> the challenge of climate change and hopefully we won't need to to be doing that or discussing it too much but it is something i think scientists should be researching just because the risks of the worst case warming scenarios are pretty bad
0: so there are those kind of you know massive changes to consider and innovations are needed you know you talk about turning carbon into a, a rock or mineral stored <laughs> below the earth's surface, but for for our listeners that are maybe interested in the topic, um, you know, there's everything we read about paper straw, recycling, going vegan, electric cars. What's kind of the biggest, in your eyes, like personal change that that someone could make that would have the, the largest impact?
1: I mean, I think that the, <laughs> the thing we need to be doing is really voting for policies that will and further the energy transition because these things are too big to be fixed by one person. But on your own kind of consumer level, um, if you fly in airplanes, that might be the biggest contributor. You could think about the different offset programs or even carbon removal programs that are out there. I think the other thing that we should be thinking about here is um, if you have, you know, an older HVAC system that might need to be replaced. Think about getting an electric heat pump. Um, This is really important for electrifying your home. It can make a big difference. It also functions for air conditioning. If you don't have AC and you wanna install AC, think about a heat pump. And there's a ton of organizations local in the area that will like help you figure out what's right for your home. Um, Push Buffalo and other programs, even your utility probably has info on this
0: great and is there anything else that maybe i haven't asked you that you think is kind of an important to the equation or conversation about you know a potential larger scale climate migra- migration and how buffalo may benefit
1: yeah i think that buffalo might benefit not just from you know increasing the population but also from tourism because right now we have a lot of people who live in northern climates they want to go somewhere nice In the winter, in the future, we may see increasing numbers of people who live in Southern places and want to go nice, you know, somewhere nice in the summer to escape the heat. So I think that Buffalo um, in our tourism planning could be thinking about attracting some sort of those sort of travelers in the future.
0: Well, thank you very much for your time. Before I let you go, we always end on a couple hard hitting blizzard round questions. So if you were a flavor of ice cream, what would you be?
1: Rum Raisin.
0: What's a book or TV show that you'd recommend?
1: Uh, I've been watching Counterpart um, on Amazon Prime. I recommend that.
0: Do you prefer a text or phone call?
1: Depends on the person.
0: <laughs> H- hiking or skiing? Hiking. Bills or sabers? Bills. And last question. I'm not sure where this is going to go. Chicken wings, drumstick or flat?
1: I don't even understand the question. That's how, you know, I'm new here.
0: <laughs> Do you eat chicken wings?
1: I mean now and then.
0: Okay. Well, I, there's the one that like with the two bones or the one bone.
1: Oh, the one bone.
0: Okay. that's No, a no, no,
1: no. I mean the two bone. Yeah.
0: All right. That's a flat. <laughs> that's that's flat. why I was nervous to ask the question. I was like, you know, you've only been here during a pandemic, I don't even know how many opportunities you would have had, but
1: I've learned something important then.
0: Yeah, there you go. You've taught me a ton and I taught you one single thing. Bell Ringer is a podcast by Invest Buffalo Niagara, the region's privately funded nonprofit marketing and economic development organization. Please rate this podcast Follow our social media channels and read our blog at buffaloniagra.org for the best of Buffalo Niagara. Come grow your business with us.